0: Welcome to the life of Jesus, term three, and this is lesson 26. We're going to pick up where we left off in chapter four and page 30. <clears throat> uh, the last statement that we looked at was in Genesis chapter 16 uh, and verse 14, where following Hagar's meeting with the Lord, uh, she says, Again in verse 13, I have now seen the one who sees me. And in verse 14, that is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. Now Alan P. Ross says that the name, Bir Lahai Roy, seems to mean the well of the living one who sees. And adds, he is a God who sees all things. Now that's very interesting, you know, that even back then, they described God as the living one. After Jesus Christ dies, he still comes back alive and is the living one. Amen? That never changes with him. And I think it's important that we understand that we don't serve a dead God. Amen? That he is alive and that's why he knows who we are. He knows how many hairs are on our head and all that wonderful stuff. Amen? Some of us have less and less for him to worry about. But, you know, mostly (laughs) he knows everything about us because he is alive. And I think that is such a key thing. And also, He is a God who sees all things. In short, from this account, we understand that Jesus Christ does see and know everything in your life. Now, we are going to see this in the Gospels. All right, There is going to be a situation, uh, several situations, but remember the woman at the well. Okay, When Jesus says, go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have one. And she says, you said well. Because he had a whole bunch of them and the guy that you're living with, you he's not your husband. <laughs> okay? So, <clears throat> and it's very interesting how when this woman goes back to town she says, come and see a man who knew all things. Did you get that? Yeah. Because he sees all things. So let me read this again. We understand Jesus Christ does see and know everything in your life. And what's so wonderful is that He will always be there to help you and minister to you, whatever your need may be. He is not there to condemn you and tell you off. Amen. We need to understand, this. Is, I think this is one of the key things in Christianity. That we don't serve a God who is running around with a big stick waiting to hit you over the head for the first mistake that you make. But people preach Him like that. Do you hear me? And so, do you know what, when you treat people that way then I don't know what it is about people, they want to go do something wrong. I don't know, I don't understand that, but it just seems to be if you threaten it, they'll go do it. You tell a kid, don't touch this, you have just invited him to touch it. And you add the words, you better not, and he'll make sure he does. (laughs) Okay? Do you understand? It's it's a thing, you know, and the whole human race is wired that way. So then you need to ask the question who is actually behind those preachers that are getting up there and preaching stuff that's not right? Hmm? And causing people to fall. Just a thought. Also, as a point of interest, notice here that Hagar, the mother of all Arab nations, worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we stop for a minute? She worshipped Him. She worshipped Him. Do you hear this? She worshipped Him. The mother of all the Arabs worshipped the Lord. See, this is the whole thing. This is why it is so important that we understand it was Jesus that was down here, not God the Father. Do you get the significance of this thread? Yeah, the people don't want to hear this, but it's, this is the key thing. It was he that was down here. I, <laughs> I, um, I I, listened to some, you know, certain preachers in certain camps, and, you know, some of them are so good. And um, in, in the Kenneth Copeland camp, there's a preacher called Jesse Duplantis. He's very funny. He's, he's an amazing evangelist. And uh, not that, you know... There are things that... Okay? There's always things. Nobody's perfect, okay? But <laughs> I just love his boldness and I love the way that he can take things and just turn them around. And he said, These Jehovah's Witnesses, in relation to this, okay? These Jehovah's Witnesses came to his door and, and they said, Hi, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. And he goes, Hi. I am too. I'm a, I'm a witness for Jehovah. Come on in. And he said by the end they were so confused. And then their leader came along and, and he said, Oh no, don't go in that house. Don't go in that house. That's not a good place to be. He said they, he chased them out as they were walking down the street, asking them to come back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I thought that was really funny. And, uh, but you know, this is the whole thing we don't realize. A lot of times, all the people that are having all the issues... If they only realize that somewhere in their lineage, somewhere, Jesus Christ, that part of God met them. That part of God knows about them. That part of God is the one that they are going to be responsible to at the end of the day. Amen? Amen. And we're seeing that right here, right now. So, (coughs) excuse me. Let me say this to you as well, and here is a bit of a shocker. Since the mother of all Arab nations worshiped Jesus Christ and acknowledged Him as Lord, specifically the God who sees, guess what? She made it to heaven. You can't not make it to heaven when you call Him Lord. Isn't that a shocker? Think about this now. Take a minute to think about this. So what happens to all the people that are rejecting Him? They're not going to be where she is. Amen? See, we miss some of these things as we go along. It, 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 it challenges us and we miss them. She confessed Him as Lord. She recognized Him. She worshipped Him. Amen? Amen. Alright, in fact, Henry and Morris says that after this experience, Hagar did return to Abraham and Sarai. Telling them about her experience with God. And so when the child was born, Abram named him Ishmael and raised him as his son. That's how he knew to name him. Because Hagar would have gone and said, guess what happened? Wow. Interesting, isn't it? Hmm?" And obviously Abram believed her. Hmm? For him to name the kid Ishmael. Alright, the next significant appearance of Christ is in Genesis chapter 17, when the Lord changes Abram's name to Abraham, thank God, and Sarah's name to Sarah. <laughs> I have to make sure I say it right, see, in all, all the scriptures, because I'm just used to saying Abraham, not Abram. Okay, and so with it saying in verses 5, 6, and 15, well, 15 and 16, just reading a scattering of verses here, uh, turn to the next page. It says, Jesus is speaking, it says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, meaning exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Continuing on, verses 15 and 16. Then God said to Abraham, Abraham, as far uh, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, meaning my princess. I thought it was something else before. But Sarah, meaning princess, uh, shall be her name. Okay? So it's not just going to be his princess anymore. <laughs> okay? She's going to belong to the nations. Just like he's going to be a father of many nations, she's going to be its mother. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then... I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Notice that. Kings of peoples shall be from her. So here we see how in changing their names, now this is a key thing. The Lord literally changed their destinies. Showing us that if we let him, the Lord can do the same for us. Regardless of what some people may have led you to believe. About people's destinies being unchangeable. It's interesting, can I just stop here for a minute, watch, you know, I've seen this in um, some of the um, sort of African countries, a lot of times they'll change their name when they become a Christian. And I used to think, well keep your name man, but you know the more I read stuff like this, the more I begin to realize, you know, there's something in that. The apostle Paul changed his name as well. He was Saul, and you know what, it was a tie-in to Saul who tried to kill David. And it's interesting that salt means exalted, Paul means small. And he went from that, he said, you know what? No, as a Christian, I'm no longer full of myself. I'm now full of Christ. Less of me, more of him. Interesting, isn't it? And so he changes his name. And so I I just, you know, sometimes I look at some people and sometimes I, I, I see certain tendencies in people with certain names. I don't know what it is. Maybe we miss it. Maybe it's my imagination, but I've seen certain things, and I think, gosh, sometimes you just want to go say, change your name. It'll make a difference, (laughs) you know. I won't tell him that, but I've seen this, and sometimes I'm, I'm sort of convinced there's something there. There is something there. That's all I'll say. Okay. But notice that God changes their names he didn't say okay i'm going to do all these amazing things he says change your name it was a slight change but it was enough to tilt it in another direction praise god praise god so after this we get now to Gen- we get to genesis chapter 18 we see Jesus Christ in the capacity of judge, once again this time in relation to the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. With Genesis chapter 18 and verses 16 through 22 reporting, Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham, Abraham excuse me, went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? That's a very interesting statement, isn't it? Can we stop for just a moment on that? What is The Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? We'll see the significance of this in just a minute. All right. God could have very well thought, it's none of your business, I'm not telling you anything. But you know what it was? Because remember, all the nations are going to get blessed through him. And a nation is about to be taken out. Let's keep reading. I've got it all in here. All right? verse 18, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, so he says shall we hide this, since this is going to be the case, LNP Ross writes, Abraham was going to be a blessing to the nations, so an account should be given to him when one nation was to be removed from that opportunity isn't that interesting I thought that was very interesting I never really thought about it like that Because God says, okay, you're going to bless all nations. And he goes, "Uh, (laughs) yeah, we're going to have to take one out. Uh, We want to talk about this? And he starts to talk. He says, for I have known him, showing that the Lord does keep a close eye on us and cares deeply for us. Notice, I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Regarding what? About the terrible destruction uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were about to undergo. That they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness uh, yeah, and justice. In other words, not make the same mistakes that Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah had made. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. All right. So, you know, one of the things that God will do is bring information to you so that you don't make the same mistakes, and your kids learn as well. One of the things that we miss sometimes, and I'm I'm seeing this, and I'll continue reading in just a minute, but one of the things that I'm seeing at the moment, in fact, is, you know, a lot of the emails that we get, and I don't know how accurate some of them are, so let me say that. But, you know, a lot of times when other, I have to be diplomatic, when other influences come into a country, and they start asserting themselves, and people start to bow to that, and they forget the the, the the sweat and the blood and the tears that were shed to bring this country to the place where we are, that, the free, and the freedoms that we have. And because they have forgotten that, they allow things to come in that they should never allow. If those people were here today, they would shoot some of the people that are saying yes to these things. Can I just say that? You know why? Because they had to do it back then. There were other people that were coming, but you know, it's a funny thing. If you come at somebody with a gun, they'll fight back. You come at somebody with politics, and they'll just bow down. And you use all the right words. Hmm? And it's interesting, isn't it? See, the devil, if he, if he can't get in one way, he'll try the other way. That's why we have to be on guard all the time. Amen? And that's the reason why the Bible says that we have to pray over our leaders. Because they can make some dumb decisions otherwise, because there are spirits behind the decisions that they're making. Just recently they had a prayer time, and I was so thrilled to hear about it, that they just got in there and they had several days of prayer, 14 or 21 days of prayer, that just over Canberra, and some of the miraculous things that happened and so on and so forth. It is important that we pray. It is important that we hold up the government because their decisions affect you. Amen? It affects us at the end of the day. So, let's move on to this. And uh, I'm over the page in uh, Genesis 18-20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Now this is an incredible statement for the Lord to say, it's great. He doesn't exaggerate. You know, we might exaggerate about things, but if the Lord says He's great, He's great. That's the reason why when we, you know, when we get to, to uh, Matthew chapter 24, 25, 26, down there somewhere, all right, and we start talking about you know, all the false prophets and all that stuff, and when He says, I never knew you, He never knew them. When He says that you are, you know, you, you are workers of iniquity, they were workers of iniquity. I don't care what they say, He doesn't lie. Amen? When he says something, it is the truth. Is all, that's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He never lies. Amen? Alright, so this is a big deal when, when he says that the, the, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is very grave. Now Morris, um, this is again Henry Henry and Morris, says that their sin was particularly inexcusable in that they had seen the power of the Lord and had been wonderfully delivered from a horrible fate at the hand of the kings of the east through Abraham's divinely empowered rescue. I don't know if you remember that or not, that those kings came and they took him captive and Abraham and a couple of servants, you know, (laughs) yeah, let's go get him all back. I mean, kings couldn't stop these people and Abraham and his servants go get it. Like, wow. I would love to see what happened there. Anyway, and so they had, they had been rescued. And even though God had given them a special opportunity to know Him, they had rejected Him and fallen into even grosser wickedness than before. See, you know, this is where you have to be careful. This is one of the things that... Can I just stop for a minute? I need to stop for a minute. I am so careful about who I pray. For okay, I know sometimes people go, Oh, you should just pray for everybody. You have to be careful because there is a place, don't underestimate what you do. Can I just say that? Okay, there are certain things that when you do them, it's almost like a line is drawn. All right, people experience the power of God, they experience something very real from God in their life, and then if they, if they go back to doing the stuff they used to do, and if they disregard that, it is a worse sin than if they, did nev- if they never knew. Do you understand? And that's the reason why you have to be really careful. People, you know, um, without thinking, they go, oh, could you come and pray for me? It says, yeah, but do you really want me to pray for you? And what do you want me to pray for you? And what are you going to do after that? Because if you decide, and if I look at your life and think, you know what, you're going to go back to this, you just want to get this stuff off of you because it's inconvenient, all right? And you go back to it, Jesus said it'll get seven times worse. Especially if you're demon possessed, okay? And I think that's true for anything. Alright, because the, the devil operates on so many different levels. You don't have to be possessed for it to go bad. Do you understand? Alright, because once you've seen something, once you've experienced something, then you become responsible for it. And not only will God hold you responsible, the devil holds it responsible as well. He says, see, he knows you and he's still doing that. And he says that to the person you know all this stuff, and you're still doing that, you don't deserve to be, to be forgiven. And checks make them so many times. When the truth is, God will forgive you every single time. His mercies are new every morning. Amen? But it's hard to convince people that have gone down a certain road. That God is not holding their sin against them. And it doesn't matter how many times they've done it. And no no matter how many times they promised God, they would never again. That's why I say don't ever say stuff like that. Okay? You let it fall off you and one day realize it's gone. Don't go promising you're going to do stuff. Because the more you promise, the more you think about it, the more you think about it, the more you do it. It's a bad circle. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen? So that's, be careful, because this is showing us one of the things that is happening now, because these people have experienced God, and they've experienced His mercy, and His grace, and His love for them, in rescuing them. And then they've gone and done stuff that God says, I need to go see this for myself. I rescued them, and this is how they're behaving? Oh... This is very bad. This is a very bad thing. Alright. And so the Lord goes on to say here, verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So Ross says that the point is that the Lord's judgment is based, I like this, on full and accurate information. And only if their deeds were as bad as the cry indicated, they would be judged. I like that. Amen? See, God, you know, I tell you something, God is never unjust. And what we're going to find out, and what we find out, you know, when we're doing prayer and so on and so forth, is God says that I was looking for an intercessor, there wasn't one, so I had to go do stuff that, as a judge, I have to do. But I didn't want to do it. It's interesting, isn't it? We see so much of God's judgment, but we miss His mercy. And His mercy is looking for us to stand in the gap, to pray. And His mercy is, listen carefully, His mercy isn't looking for us to help people get away with sin. Listen carefully now. His mercy is looking for us to intercede, not to just stop the the judgment coming down but to actually pray their heart is changed that they will change their ways that they will get opportunity that God will send people across their path to understand that workers will come people that they trust will talk to them and this thing will not end this way that's what we're meant to be doing Amen? Because sometimes people say, oh, you're just interceding just to keep people, to keep God off. And sometimes people do that and it's wrong. You're not just keeping, it's not like God wants to squash them like a bug. He's looking to help them. Jesus Christ died to give, He gave His life for people like that. Do you understand? But the thing is that we need to also understand that there is a judge in this universe. He is the ultimate judge. He also happens to be our daddy okay, and he's going okay, need to see me as daddy a little bit here and come to me talk to me, I can do stuff but you need to come to me otherwise I have to get up there put on my little wig and be judged and it won't turn out so good because otherwise Satan if God allows an injustice to go on then Satan can usurp his throne above God's, did you know that? that will never happen Okay. Things to think about. Okay. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom but Abraham, now watch this, still stood before the Lord. I told you he's going to see him now. He's going to go face to face with him on this one. All right. Now we now see why the Lord regarded Abraham so highly. Because as soon as he heard about Sodom and Gomorrah, his, his heart went out to all the righteous in those cities. Not just Lot and his family. And why it says in verse 23-26, to 26, and Abraham came near and said, notice he comes near. He saw Jesus. Okay, Don't forget, we're looking at the life of Jesus here. He saw Jesus. He came near and said, "Mm, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? This is going to be the basis of his intercession. And the answer to the universal question, does God punish the righteous with the wicked? For the deeds of the wicked. How many times have you heard that? Because this, you know, a certain nation is doing badly and everything else. God's judgment is coming upon them. And He's going to judge them. And He's going to do this and everything else. And blah, blah, blah. And understand. Listen now very carefully. Understand when a nation becomes sinful, the sin causes things to go wrong. Do you understand? Because there are forces that are moving on behalf of the people that are um, attracting them. People are like magnets, you know. You either attract God or you attract the devil. You know what I'm trying to say? And so when that, whatever comes into your life and whatever comes into that area begins to affect the area. And like it or not, if it's demonic, it will start going downhill. That's just the way it is. If it is godly, things will just start to get better and better. It just happens that way. Alright? And that's the reason why we have to be so careful and understand that's what's going on. It's, it's not like God's going, oh, I'm really mad at these people. I'm just going to just destroy them all. And there's a few righteous, never mind, collateral damage. Okay? Doesn't happen that way. If it's coming, it'll be like Noah. Make a boat, get on it. Something very bad is about to happen. Amen. Alright, and watch now, he says, suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Now, I don't know whether, I've written this somewhere, but this is of a um, city of over a thousand people at least that we know of. Okay, so that's, not no, that's, a that's very low percentage. Okay, a thousand people, 50, all right, just 50. That's like 5%. Because 100 would be 10%, is that right? Am I getting my numbers right? Yeah, okay. So he, he's working from 5% down, all right? And so he says, far be it from you, verse 25, you do such a thing as this, okay? Uh, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be, uh, as, should be as the wicked, far be it from you. So this shows us that just like the Lord knew Abraham, Abraham also knew the Lord. And why he goes on to say, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, Henry M. Morris reminds us that Abraham, in fact, knew many of the other people in the cities. All right. So this is the reason why it wasn't just Lot he was after. Remember, he rescued them. Okay, we forget that sometimes. I forgot that. I forgot he went and rescued all of them. You can, you can just imagine their gratitude to him. He'd be like, hey man, if you're ever here, come for dinner. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now, as Jamie said, He's saving them again. And having saved them from several years previously, from you know, the northeastern kings, and hoped against hope that they might still turn to God. This is what Abraham's heart is. All right? It wasn't just Lot and his family. Everybody used to say, oh, that's just Lot and his family. And Abraham thought at least there would be ten people with Lot and you know, a couple of like his, son, his daughters and son-in-laws and whatever. It could come to ten at least. But no, we forget that Abraham rescued these people. He knows them. Okay? And so the Lord said, "Hmm, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city of over, uh, oh, there it is, of over a thousand inhabitants, thank you, Dad, I know you're trying to draw my attention to that, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. My goodness. You know, remember again, Jesus is going to go check out and see if this is as bad as what they've heard. And Abraham now is dictating the terms of what he's going to do. Isn't that interesting? Okay. But of course Abraham doesn't stop there. He then reduces the number to 45, then to 40, then to 30, to 20. All of which the Lord agrees to. You know the Lord could have said, you know, stop talking. (laughs) I'm just saying. You know, you you don't know what is going on. I get to see the stuff you don't. And it was bad cities. Remember the angels that went in? They want to do naughty things with them. This is a bad city. Okay. So obviously when it came out, when Jesus said, you know, this outcry is really bad. Let's go see if it's this bad. Sure, the angels came and said, it's that bad. (laughs) Just get rid of all of them. Anyway, so he says here, he says, let not the Lord be angry. Um, in verse 32, Genesis 18, he said, I will speak but once more. Suppose, suppose ten should be found there. I, I just reckon Abraham thought, at least, I rescued these people. There's got to be at least ten of them in there. I'm iffy about a lot, but at least there should be ten other people in there. Okay? Ross says, Abraham's concern is that God's people not suffer the same fate as the wicked. That is still true today it saddens me how people get up there and come at this with so much anger and I think almost hatred when they get up and say God is going to just come down on this nation, it's going to just wipe them all out and yada yada yada, it's like aren't you a sweetheart, listen okay yes we do need to preach the truth, yes we do need to make people accountable, we do need to let a nation know when they're going wrong and when they're messing up Alright, the Old Testament prophets did that a lot of times. They would get up there and tell the truth and be killed for it. Alright, Hebrews talks about some of that stuff. But, you know, the thing is, there's a way of doing it. And we need to learn the right way. Amen? Jesus says, don't judge. Whatever you do, do in love. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth, don't compromise, ever... But please do it in love. Are you all here? So you can be bold and loving, speak the truth, don't compromise, and let people know. And then after that, you know, if they go do something dumb, and they they fall in a ditch, they need to realize that God warned them. And they need to realize this isn't God doing it to them. This is them putting themselves in a bad situation. That's why the Apostle John said, If you are in the light as He is in the light. You know what? We're the ones that put ourselves either in darkness or come to the light. Our choice. God doesn't move. We need to move. Amen. Okay. I'll stop preaching now. Alright. And so uh, here again it says, And He, the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. That's huge. So the Lord went His way. As soon as uh, he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned <coughs> Excuse me, to his place. As William MacDonald points out, only when Abraham stopped pleading did the Lord close the matter and depart. I like that. Can I read that again? Take this in. Only when Abraham stopped pleading did the Lord close the matter and depart. Abraham said, okay, I'm done. The Lord said, okay, we're done. That was it. Hmm? The Lord works with us. In other words, the Lord is ever willing to hear us out if we would only take the time to seek an audience with Him in prayer. In fact, in his commentary, Henry M. Morris points out that from a study of this amazing dialogue, several important principles become evident. We might finish it here. We'll see. First, God does not want to bring judgement on any city or any per- on any person. Second, the remarkable influence which even a tiny minority may have for good is not worthy. Who am I? I mean, what does it matter if I pray? It matters. One man stood in the gap between the destruction. of an entire, in fact two cities twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah you matter finally Abraham's prayer was highly reverent this is so key and recognized and indeed appealed to the righteous character and loving kindness of God that's how we go into prayer we don't go in there accusing God of all the wrong things (laughs) Okay, we go in there Holding his character up. You are a just God. You are a loving God. You won't do this. You won't do the wrong thing. Does that make God any better? Listen carefully. No. God is as good as he's going to be. You telling him this stuff doesn't make him better. We have to understand what I'm about to tell you. Please get this. What you do is recognize who you are talking to. What you do, is understand where your solid ground is. Do you hear me? You know that He's not going to squish you for going the extra mile. In your prayer time. You need to know that stuff. Because if you think, God's just... You know what? God just had enough of it. And He's just gonna... And you know what? You just go in there and say, okay God, go ahead and do that. And you go, I really don't want to do that. But you have misunderstood Him. And so you are, you are starting to say things that he might not be able to do anything about. He's going, you don't know me. I can't do that. I won't do that. And then you go, oh my prayers aren't being answered. I wonder why. <laughs> you know? Shake up on what you're praying, dude. It may be out of the character of God. Huh? You might be asking him things he will not do. Amen. Amen. Okay, as a result, Abraham successfully pleaded his case, getting the Lord to agree to spare two whole cities for the sake of just ten righteous people living for the Lord. But sadly, despite all Abraham's sterling efforts to try and save the two cities, we know that there weren't weren't even ten righteous people living in those cities. Even so... It is only after Lot and his family were escorted out of the city that it goes on to say in Genesis 19:24, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. We'll pick this up. I don't want to rush through this because we've run out of time. We'll pick this up. It says that the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. We'll look at that next time. Okay. Hope you were blessed. Let's pray and conclude for tonight.